This is Adesua, and I'm here with... Loyale Moke. Usita Chidoka. Kyle me. James Ibori. Chief Olabode Binga George. Binga Daniel. Biodu Olujimi. Good evening, my name is Dino Milaye. Yes, and you are... An unemployed Nigerian. And thank God, this is not an interview. It's a conversation. Hi everyone, I am Dez. If you've ever wanted to see me speak rather than just listen to me speak, you can now do that on my new show, which I believe the trailer would have played at the start of this. And welcome to our podcast about facts, figures, and weird things from the past. We're your hosts. TMT, Dez, host, Dirty Life Podcast. Welcome. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk like a caveman for the rest of the episode. History, fact, big leader, small ego. Yeah, welcome to the pod. And um, we have a very interesting episode for you today. Today's episode is about pets. That's right. So this episode is about pets. Pets and the pets, like the pets of famous leaders in history. I realized that like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Like we never really talk about like a lot of people had pets and a lot of famous and influential people in history had very strange pet habits. So I'm going to get into that. Are you ready for your facts? There's- I'm still stuck on that. We're talking about pets. Oh yeah. We're talking about pets. Like animal companions of people like yeah. Karl Lagerfeld and his cat exactly um I mean I'm re- how ready can I be I'm ready let's go okay great <laughs> um fact one Calvin Coolidge and first lady Re- Grace Coolidge kept a pet raccoon called Rebecca okay fact two the chief mouser to the cabinet office is an official title given to whatever cat lives at 10 Downing Street. Chief what? Mouser to the cabinet office. Okay. Fact three. Nelson Mandela had a pet parrot while in prison called Paul. Um, sorry, let's do this from the stop. Let's start again. There's a pet raccoon by the Coolidge's. Yeah. Number fact one: Calvin Coolidge and his first lady Rebecca um, Grace mm-hmm. kept a pet raccoon named Rebecca. Okay. Fact two: The chief master to the cabinet office is an official title given to whatever cat is resident at Ten Downing Street. Yeah. And fact three: Nelson Mandela had a pet parrot while in prison, and the parrot was named Paul. Okay. So um. First of all, Coolidge's definitely had a pet raccoon. American presidents have weird pets all the time. There's like, I'm pretty sure there's a pony called Caroline. There's like a crocodile. They've had all types of, no, they've been all types of animals in the White House. And I'm going to say yes to the raccoon. Okay. Um, so now we're left with Chief Mouser. Chief and- Mouser. Of 10 Downing Street yeah. and Mandela having a pet parrot. Yeah. Now, like, I've actually visited Mandela's prison room. Like, I'm thinking, like, could there have been a bird in there? And I'm going to say no. I'm going to say 
that the South Africans did not allow Mandela have a pet. And I want to believe if they allowed him have a pet, I would know about it or I remember. Right. Because my, my grandpa had a pet raccoon. Not my grandpa. My grandma's grandpa. Well, no, my mother's grandpa's. Uh, my great-grandpa had a pet ra- raccoon that spoke Ijebu, Yoruba, and used to be the house snitch. What? It's like a, yeah, this is a whole thing that happened in my family. Uh, excuse me, your, your, your great-grandfather had a pet raccoon. No, sorry, a pet parrot. Right, okay. Yeah, no, go on. Yeah, that makes sense. A pet parrot that spoke Yoruba and was the house snitch. Um, so I feel like if Mandela had a parrot, I'd rem- I would have put that into my memory mm-hmm. based off of my affinity for parrots. So I'm going to say that the lie is the Mandela one. I'm going to say that British people do have a chief mouser or something mm-hmm. similar. I don't know. Ten downing, is it? Position yeah, it's it's it just seems like the type of thing they do, right? You know, whimsical, mm, cute. Mm. They like cats over here. So you think the lie is Mandela one? I yeah. Okay. Um. Final. Final answer. Um. Yeah. Comments. Okay. Good. <laughs> Mandela actually had a pet while he was in prison. It was a sparrow. Its name was Richard, and the sparrow would come and visit him, and he would feed it, and they became great friends. We can get, yeah, we'll get into that though. But it was you know it was a pet that could Sorry? come and go. It was like, it was a pet that could come in and go out. You get okay. it was a sparrow, so it would fly into his you know. Okay, so, so it wasn't it wasn't his pet. Yeah, it wasn't. A, it was like a wild sparrow that he befriended. Well, it was a pet because it, you know, it would stay like when it was raining, it would stay the night, and it was it was around. It was a pet, but like they couldn't take it from this him. Is like, if they tried to take it from him, he would just toss it out of the window, and it would fly away. I, so, okay, yeah. I get this. You know, because you know why I was thinking that it had to be like a wild animal that he kind of domesticated, right? Because if you read um, like Obasanjo's books, mm-hmm. I don't know, um, my watch or my country. There's, there's, there's a bunch of about books, but I was reading them recently and he like befriended a family of like lizards or wall geckos he'd like named them you know they were the, the kids the mom the dad like he, he like I feel like being in prison just makes you notice the most minuscule things in nature and like befriend wild animals so the, that Mandela would make sense to me especially then just of based off they didn't have of, phones yeah and was bored all the time yeah you know prisoners have yeah, phones but like, they can have iphones even i feel like oh oh like um in yeah in some prisons now they can have an iphone that's what you mean that be yeah exactly they have distractions yeah which is amazing but i mean isn't that illegal still i don't think so i think they can have iphones i think they can like if, if i was in prison i'd want to have like a nintendo switch you know just play video games um yeah okay so the the Coolidge's, you want to talk about which one do you want to go with? Because let me tell you something. The White House Pets is its the thing is I actually I knew that because I, I've prepared an episode on White House Pets before. I just have never done it. Mm. So what's your favorite White House pet? Um, I don't know, man. No, there's been some weird ones. Yeah. I think someone had one. Let's know about it. Is it the Coolidge's that had all those pets? Um, I don't know the Coolidge pet hmm? history, but. I know that they had 
They had Rebecca. They had Rebecca. And um, let me just get into it, right? Okay, get into it, yeah. Okay, so basically Rebecca was a raccoon from Mississippi. She was sent to the White House to be served mm. in to be to be served for the nineteen twenty six Thanksgiving dinner. Um, mm. since the death of the um, the what do you call it? The there was this guy called Horish, Horace Voz, and he was the traditional provider of the White House Thanksgiving turkey. So after he died, a bunch of farmers had been trying to position themselves as the ones who you know, provide the Thanksgiving turkey, the meat for the Thanksgiving meal, essentially. Because it was a position that, like, oh, if you are handling that, then a bunch of important people would want you to handle there so they could say, oh, yeah, we got it from the same guy that does it for the White House. Um, so different people had been trying to, they'd be trying to get the position. But meanwhile, Coolidge had been trying to end the White House Thanksgiving meal himself. He was trying to, like, stop that in the entire practice. But because so because of and, be, and he had been vocal about it, so because of that, people had been um, mm. sending him unsolicited gifts, and um, they became more unusual than the last. With Rebecca being possibly the most unusual, um, so they sent him this raccoon to be cooked and served to him and his wife, and Coolidge, who, who had never eaten a raccoon before. Had, he wasn't interested in it. For him, it was like trying to serve bushmeats to someone that grew up in the middle of Ikui. It just it wasn't mm. it wasn't happening. He was just like, no, I'm not. I'm not eating that. So, uh, are you are you telling me you don't eat guinea fowl? Guinea fowl isn't bushmeat. Fair. So bushmeat is an actual thing that's yeah, different. Bushmeat is like, um, it's the meat of. I would say, what animal is it? It's it's very similar. To, it's like a badger of sorts. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um. I, I've been served bush meat before. It's like, what's that? What's that word? It's um. Do you know what a pangolin is? Mm. Yes. Yeah. That's what that's what bush meat is. It's like pangolin. Yeah. It's, it, uh, did you eat it when they served it to of you? Of course not. I looked at it. I tried it. I didn't even try. I was just like, I'm not eating that because um, its hand was stretched out, and it was like it was trying to shake my hand, and I was just like, I'm, I, don't want, ah! I don't want. I don't want this in my body. Do you know this reminds me of of um, Hilda Bakshi or Baki eating dog, which yeah, I don't even. I, <laughs> I don't even know how to process that properly. Um, I, I recorded some marriage earlier today, and I wish we talked about it. But I think none of us really had processed the entire situation. I think my favorite part is the backlash, though. Nigerians are insane people. Why are we insane? It's just like people being overly emotional about it. Like, dog is my friend. You don't eat dog. Dog I mean, is like us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. it's I don't even think that's an overly emotional response. I, I think, I think there's something super bizarre yeah. about posting a TikTok about you eating an animal that you know is beloved to people. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, why? Um, like, I don't, I, I, I don't get the why. Yeah, it's it's funny. I think it's funny. Like, if I knew that I had friends 
who kept cows as pets. Like, it's bizarre. It's so bizarre. Like, I like cow leg, but still, yeah. I don't have to, like... It's not like... You, do you know what I'm saying? No, I hear you. I hear like, you. Like, why is it exciting to eat dog? Oh, my God. Anyway. I mean, it's, I guess it's a cultural thing as well, so I'm not really going to comment on that. Cause it might just and that's be why weird. I use cow leg, because cow leg is part of my culture. But again, if half of my neighbors had cows as pets, and I knew, like, they were sensitive about cow meat, I'm not going to, like... Yeah. do it out. 100%, do you know what I'm saying? 100%, like, yeah. Yeah. like anyway, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I get what you're saying. If it was like a radio show in her, in wherever she's from and it was just local radio, yeah, I'm sure it's like fine. No one needs to, like that's okay because it's like the culture there. But like here in this place where people really like dogs, <laughs> it's funny. Also, you know like my dog, our dog in my house got kidnapped like three or four weeks ago. Twenty house. I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost got kidnapped. They kidnapped your dog. Yeah, and we haven't found him till now. And are you joking? I'm not joking. I'm dead ass. Hundred percent serious. Wait, somebody took ghost. Someone took ghost. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. We spent so much. Like my sister, my myself, my dad, even my mom, who doesn't like dogs. We spent. We all had like we all got in our cars. And then we had the drivers take two different other cars and we just drove around my parents' um, estates for like two or three hours just looking for this dog and we couldn't find him. So That's awful. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's life. You know, dogs get kidnapped. I, I mean, this is... It be things. What? Yeah, it be things. You know... um, we're going to go back on topic soon, but <laughs> speaking of dogs getting kidnapped, there was a time when one of Timmy's dogs got kidnapped <laughs> and um, his dad was like driving past, I don't know if under the bridge somewhere or something, and he saw his dog and he, and <laughs> you know how Timmy's dad is yeah. like seven feet tall. He just like wound down and told the guy, I better see my dog at home. And the dog was returned. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he didn't even pick up the dog. He said, you better bring it home. And no, yeah, like maybe he's going to work. But <laughs> 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 Timmy needs to retell this story, but I'm pretty sure this is basically what happened. Wow. Like, I love that. And they, they returned the dog, Shad. Like, he saw the dog and he told him, he just said a few words, and the dog was back in the house. <laughs> uh, it's funny because they kidnapped him once in 2019, and I was in the country then, but. He got kidnapped, and um, my dad literally did the exact same thing. He went somewhere shady, like he thought, like he he, just, he basically went to some guys, and he was like, "If I don't, I don't even know how we tracked them down because I was in the country, so I just I have this weird retelling of it." But he basically said, "If I don't see my dog, blah blah," and they returned the dog. He threatened them. He threatened them, and they returned the dog. But this one, like, we didn't even know who to threaten. There was no one. Like, the security guy mm. left the door open. And someone left. I don't know. Like, I don't know how the dog escaped. Because usually, like, there's the main gates. Then there's the further gates. And then there's yeah. the whole street. Yeah, so, and then there's also the dog gates. Like, yeah. you guys have three. Yeah. He has to pass through three barriers. And a lot of people security. at your front gate also. Yeah, exactly. So this is... This is remarkably bizarre. Lagos, there's there are really bizarre things happening in Lagos these days. But anyways, we're talking about pets. Let's go back to pets. The Coolidges are the ones who yeah. have a whole bunch. Like they brought 
a whole bunch of animals mm-hmm. to the White House. Funny like, enough, they didn't like keep, 20. They didn't keep Rebecca in the White House. Um, Where did they keep her? They had a... Oh, they had a treehouse built for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just saw that because the reason why I wanted to go and check because I knew there was something funny about them. And this it's not, I don't know if you might find it funny, but they had two birds and they called them Nip and Tuck. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And they were alligators. Well, not, not from them. Somebody else brought alligators. But yeah, that's. So, t- so yeah, let's I, hear more I, about I, this. I think huh? when people peg you as the couple that like exotic or weird animals, people will give you weird animals, especially when you are yeah. the most important man You're, in the country. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they um, decided to keep Rebecca as a pet because they were just not raccoon. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They had lion cubs from South Africa. This is the one. This is what I was looking for. They had lion cubs from Africa named Tax Reduction and Budget Borough. Oh. I feel like I've asked you this in a presidential trivia before. Um, I don't think so, but that sounds amazing. Tax Reduction and what? Budget Borough. Budget Borough. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, so they kept it, <laughs> so they kept the Bekasi pet instead. Um, for Christmas, they made her a collar that was um, inscribed with White House Raccoon. And um, Rebecca, in, Rebecca participated in the annual White House Easter egg roll. You know, raccoons are extremely intelligent animals, so they end up being able to do a lot more than dogs and cats and whatever. Like raccoons are very inventive; they're problem solvers. They like to figure stuff out, and they also have like they almost have opposable thumbs, so they are very handy. You know, they can operate things. They can open doors they can move around the raccoons are weird animals honestly i'm kind of obsessed with them i've seen this like you see this picture that was that went viral on the internet a while ago and it's just this raccoon in the middle of florida and it's basically riding an alligator with no mm. fear like it's just casually on an alligator making its way through like a river and it's one of the best pictures ever anyway um, she, um rebecca was fed shrimp persimmons and eggs and um, she was let loose in the White House, and she walked on a leash outdoors, but she was generally given free reign in the house. She was known for unscrewing light bulbs, opening cabinets, and she would unpot houseplants because, you know, she was mischievous. Um, the first lady wrote that um, we had a house made for her in one of the large trees, and the wire fence built around it for protection. We kept her chained, went out of, went outdoors, but in the house we let. We, she had her liberty. She was mischievous, inquisitive, and we had to keep watch of her when she was in the house. She enjoyed nothing better than being placed in a bathtub with a little water in it and giving a cake of soap with which to play. She's writing so lovingly about this raccoon. Yeah, I mean, she was. I think she really liked animals. I think, I think Calvin was like, man, she likes animals. I like animals too, but she was like into animals and i think it takes a specific special yeah. kind of person like someone that's really like full of empathy and to be really into animals yeah exactly um in march 1927 during white house renovation coolidge brought rebecca to his temporary quarters in the DuPont Circle Mansion. When the Coolidge's took a vacation in the Black Hills, they brought Rebecca along in a basket together with two of their dogs. 
Rob Roy and Prudence Prim, as well as five canaries. Five. In preparation, <laughs> that's a lot for, yeah, that's a, in, of in, animals. That's a lot of animals. In preparation for leaving the White House at the end of the president's term, the Coolidge's donated Rebecca to the zoological quarters in Rock Creek Park, now the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. However, Rebecca failed to adopt to the zoo life and died shortly thereafter. Oh my gosh, they abandoned their pet raccoon in a zoo. They donated her to science. That is, they abandoned their pet raccoon in a zoo. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Fun fact, they also got, they had gotten Rebecca a mate, a male raccoon called Ruben. Um, Mm -hmm. Ruben frequently escaped being recovered by the White House staff. However, he ultimately disappeared without a trace. <clears throat> Grace Coolidge wrote about the incident. Rebecca had lived alone and had her own way for so long that I fear she was a little overbearing and dicto- um, dictatorial, perhaps oh reminding God. her spouse that he was living on her bounty. <laughs> afterward, oh my after, afterward, Rebecca continued to live in single blessedness. Yeah, Rebecca did not want a man. <laughs> Um, fun fact, Herbert Hoover um, took over the White House after Coolidge and um, his interesting pet was a wild possum and he moved the possum into Rebecca's vacant tree house and the possum was named Billy Possum by the Hoovers. I think after the Coolidge's, the new, pres- the new presidents and you know his successors just thought, oh yeah, maybe we should just have interesting pets. Anyway, man, that's why I like Obama. Obama had a dog. Mm. <laughs> biting has I mean I mean like people people that I think George Bush the second one George W I think he's the only one to not have a dog in recent times mm. and people like I I don't know if I'm making this up but I don't think I am no it wasn't George Bush sorry it was Trump mm. no, Trump, <laughs> no, Trump Trump did not have a white house a pet no Trump had um, his sons he didn't have a white house pet. Like usually, white like he himself didn't have a white house pet. Mm. He had, no, he's I, the only. He had, he's he, the only president in a hundred years to not have a dog. There's an article on it. <laughs> Trump. He had Eric. He had Eric and Don Jr. Are you yeah. talking about his 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 sons being actual dogs? Yes, that's what he <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. yeah, no, I I'll never forget um Obama's dog Bo. He yeah. was very famous. Yeah, it was. He was also a beautiful dog. I think he was like a um. What, what breed was he? I can't remember. He was a Portuguese something. But Bo was a beautiful uh, dog. Yeah. Um. No, I I don't know the breed. I just know he was fluffy and black. Yeah. And then Clinton's dog also because. There's, there's some like there's like an iconic picture with Clinton's dog and his daughter, mm. but yeah, that's I can't believe they abandoned their raccoon. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah. if you're gonna be a spinster, this is what pe- this is what people do to spinsters. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna be a spinster, then bye. Bye. You can you can live out your days in a zoo. Mm. Ladies, take notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um. So let's go to do you want, who do you want to do next? Uh, Mandela or the chief mouser? Yeah. Okay. So the chief mouser of the cabinet office. 
is a title of the official residence cards at 10 Downing Streets. The residents and the you know the executive office of the Prime Minister of the UK. Um, there has been a resident c- cat in the British government employed as a mouser, and if you're trying to guess what a mouser is, it is hundred percent your first guess. It is a cat specifically um, employed Death to eat to, mouse. Yeah, to catch mice. mice. Yeah, exactly. Um, there has been, yeah, again, there's been one since the 16th century in the British mm. government. And um, all modern records only date them to the 1920s, as far as like what their names were and all of that. Um, the most recent one is Larry. Larry has been there since 2011. He's met Obama. He's met, in fact, wait, I'm trying to think of a modern politician. That Larry hasn't met. Maybe not the Nigerian one, because we're scared of animals in that sense. But he's met. He's he's, seen, he's been there since 2011. He's been there since 2011. So he met Obama. He's seen you know Theresa May. He's seen. Um, I mean, they've had like 20 prime ministers since 2011. <laughs> they've had 20 prime ministers since 2020. <laughs> poor Larry. Yeah. He's probably getting flustered with all these new house guests. <laughs> The funny thing is, um, I mean, it's a fun fact, but like whenever a new prime minister comes in mm. or when um, when um, a, sometimes they move, they move mousers to different government houses, you get, so you can be, from, you can be in 10 Downing for a while and then they'll move you to a different office, like maybe foreign and common. So you're telling office. me these cats get, um, Promotions and demotions based uh, off of yeah, they just they're, mo- uh, they're moved around <laughs> and they even have beef with each other. Oh, so fantastic! The, there's a famous, there's like many famous rivalries between different chief mousers. The most recent one oh. was um, in April 2016. Um, there's this cat called Palmerston, and Palmerston was moved into the foreign office. And mm. Um, Larry and Palmerston were known to get along from time to time, right? But the leader of the house commented that he hoped Palmerston and Larry would establish a modus vivendi, which is like you know a a way that a way of life, right? Like a, a basically they would establish a way to kind of get along with each other moving forward, and this was because. What's the difference between modus vivendi and modus operandi? Modus operandi is mode of operation. So it's like... I see. Yeah. It's more, so okay, it's vivendi is like vivre, like life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one is like a way of work living and exactly. another one is a way of... Of, of operation. Yeah, yeah, operating, yeah. Um, yeah. So Palm, but Palmerston and Larry could not stand each other. They seemed to get along from time to time, but they got into vicious fights to the point where security would have to mm. get involved. Um, in September 2016, Lord Blackanthra submitted a question in the House of Lords asking why the government did not pay for Larry's vet bill for an injury that was picked up in a fight against Palmerston and whether the government would refund I'm civil sorry, servants they brought this up where? at the House of Lords. Okay, I thought I heard you wrong the first time. Yeah. So he asked why why the why okay. the government wasn't paying for Larry's vet bill and um why 
and and if um the government would refund the civil servants who paid for Larry's care. Um Baroness mm. Baroness Chisholm of Alpen, the government spokesperson in Chisholm. the Lord. Not not that kind of Chisholm. Her name is it's her middle oh, name yeah. actually, it's just her. It's the name, it's a name for, it's like a family name. Her real name is Caroline. Anyway, um she was the government spokesperson in the laws and she said the costs were met by staff through voluntary staff donations due to the, their affection for Larry. On on the first of August twenty sixteen, um the political uh, the, this political photographer, Steve Beck, said Larry had his most brutal fight yet with Palmerston on the steps of number ten <laughs> Downing. And during the fight, Larry lost his collar while while Palmerston suffered from several deep scratches and a badly cut ear. When Palmerston wrote and quote unquote wrote a letter announcing he was retiring and moving to the countryside in um on the seventh of August twenty twenty, BBC News reported that Palmerston's decidedly on diplomatic disputes with Larry are not thought to have hastened his departure. <laughs> so they were saying that he was I'm sorry, they're talking about cats. Yeah, they're talking about cat beef. It was a big deal. Like it was, you know, it was well commented. Like look at this. This is I'm I'm just I'm talking about Larry specifically right now. Larry has been criticized for both his temperament and job performance. Within a month of his arrival at 10 Downing, anonymous sources described Larry as having a distinct lack of killer instinct. Later that year, it was revealed that Larry spent more time sleeping than hunting for mice and shared the company of a female cat. Anonymous sources. Yeah, anonymous sources reported that Larry had spent more time sleeping than hunting for mice and shared the company of a female cat named Maisie. At a point in 2011, mice were so endemic in in Downing Street that the Prime Minister David Cameron resorted, resorted to throwing a fork at one during a cabinet dinner. Larry was almost fired from his position in 2012 when he failed to react to a mouse spotted in camera study. His lack of killer instinct also uh, earned him the nickname Lazy Larry by Tabloid Press. In September 2012, (laughs) Freya... I I hate this actually like the more... Yeah. (laughs) I hate this so much. Yeah. (laughs) You want to know why I hate this? Well, I mean, there are many reasons to hate this apart from like I am afraid of cats. I think this is but, amazing. Um, huh? I think I think this is amazing. No, it's amazing. But I will tell you why I hate this. It's because you know when people talk about like, oh, like we got this on record in the House of Lords, and it's like such a big deal. Yeah. Like they talk, they talk about Larry's collar being not being paid for. Yeah. Are, you, are you talking about? It's not nothing is a big deal. <laughs> Nothing is a big deal. Well, you know, also vet deals are quite expensive in the UK. So um, they're talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're talking about like they were complaining that like guys, we put money together to you know fix this government cut, and it should be the government's job. So that's a valid concern. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like yeah, the fact that inside cat, inside sources are talking about it. <laughs> yeah, and like they're keeping themselves anonymous, bro. Like they're shy. <laughs> I'd be shy too if but I had, not if shy I had enough a, if to I had give comments. Imagine being like, imagine being like, yeah, man, that cat is so lazy. Like that's why the BBC is calling you. Really, you don't <laughs> have state secrets to leak. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. You're talking about the house cats. Come on, come so on. Here's the thing: in um, September 2012, Freya was appointed the role as chief master to the cabinet 
in a job share arrangement. So they brought in another cat to help Larry. But the thing is, Freya died. Um, they brought Freya in, in 2012. Freya died in 2022, August last year, at the age of 13. Larry doesn't want to die for some reason. Larry is just like out here living his best life. Larry is 16 years old. You want to know why Larry isn't dying? Because he's not working. Because he's not working himself. <laughs> yeah, because he's not working himself to death. Yeah. I saw this thing to send to you where like they they gave this AI operated robot. Wait, let me read it to you. Did I send it to you or no? Nope. Sometimes, you know when you screenshot things to send to your friends and then, I don't know, you fall asleep. The AI, okay, an AI robot experienced 15 minutes of wage slavery and then immediately killed itself after determining it was a logical choice. Wow. Is that real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, there you have it, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I'm not saying anyone should unalive themselves. What I'm saying is, Maybe don't work yourself to death killing rats for the British government who won't even pay your vet bill on time. Like, they don't care about you, bro. <laughs> Larry has the cheat code. Don't work yourself to death. Larry has. That's why he's living long. Larry, um, Larry has two books written about him. There's Larry, Larry Diaries, Downing Street. And um, Larry at number 10, written by Elizabeth Radcliffe, which was published on the 7th of January, 2021. Um, but beyond Larry, let's talk about other chief mousers. The earliest I'm coming. Are these like children's books or real books? Real books, real books. A history, a history okay. book. Yeah. Um, okay, fantastic. Yeah, so the earliest recorded chief mouser is Rufus of England, popularly nicknamed Treasury Bill whose tenure began in 1924 and his tenure ended in 1930. He mm. was chief mouser to Ramsay MacDonald. Then you have Peter. You have the Munich mouser, who was, you know, um, who served under Peter, the Munich mouser, and Nelson all served under Winston, Winston Churchill. Nelson was the most interesting because Churchill was literally walking down the street and he saw Nelson chasing a dog. And it was like, I need that, I need that cat. <laughs> so he picked him up. Yeah. You See, had... That's, yeah. Maybe that's how they should have kept recruiting. They would not have ended up with the Larry the that Larry. way. Yeah, so you had um, Peter the second. You had Peter the third. You had Petter. You had Wilberforce, Humphrey, Sybil, Freya, and again, Larry. Yeah. You had Peter the first, second, and third. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. That is so delightfully English. Sorry, one second. Yeah, we had Peter the first, second, and third. Um, we had Palmerston. We had Gladstone, who was chief master to the um, Home Treasury, and you have Tibbs the Great, who was chief master to the British Post Office. Tibbs the Great. Tibbs the Great, yeah. Uh, do you want, oh, to, do you want to hear about Tibbs the Great? I mean, how great was Tibbs? Tibbs was the British post office number one post office's number one cat and kept the post office headquarters in London completely mouse-free during his 14 years of service. 
He was the son completely. Of, yeah, he was the son of Minnie, and on his death, several newspapers ran on obituary. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Um, oh, but he's a very important mouse. I'll say he's more important than the ones that turned Downing, because nobody's post is getting eaten by rats. 100%. You see? Yeah. So Tibbs, that's Tibbs, that's a you know. Tibbs ate so many mice that he died in December 1964 from oral cancer. <laughs> from charming. Yeah. From charming. <laughs> oh man. R.I.P. Tibbs. Yeah. By the time of his death, he had grown to 10 kg in weight, probably that's- due to living in the staff dining room rather than eating rats but you know probably eating rats as well that's bizarrely big that's for a cat huge. 10 kg yeah i think the greatness in tips the great was from his size not his ability to eat rats but he he was a killer he had that dog in him he had that cat in him <laughs> oh my gosh okay that's okay interesting stuff Okay. I I I had to live with a cat. I feel like I've told this story to you a hundred times, but I had to live with a cat in boarding school, and it was a black cat, and she would always find me, and I was like, it's like living with a terrorist. I can imagine. Her, her name was Lola, and I, I was like the only. There's like fifty girls, and I'm the only one who doesn't like you and is afraid of you. Like, why would you seek me out? She would. I mean, I would disrupt the whole meeting. Any house meeting, she's looking for me. I'm screaming, I'm running. Everybody is paying for this daily. <laughs> but like, and she was scratched too. She got scratched. A black cat. Oh, no, no, no. Like, imagine coming straight out of Nigeria and the first thing you're, you're told you're living with a black cat. And everybody accepts this as normal. And you now have to show that you're the African in the yard. <laughs> like, I didn't like it. I always tell on myself. I like I will I like I like cats a lot. They're adorable. I I'm not surprised you like cats. Yeah. Because like you just like too. yeah. I mean I love dogs, even though I'm allergic. I love dogs. You know, but you know Churchill once said um he said I like pigs. Dogs look up to you too much and cats look down on you too much, but pigs think you are their equal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. <laughs> That is a great quote. Okay. Mandela. Yes, Mandela time. Um, Let's get into it. Mandela had a pet sparrow named Mm. Richard. Here's what happened. When the iconic anti-apartheid activist and the first black president of South Africa had a a short um, 27-year yesterday at Robben Island um, he found mm. solace in the presence of Richard and Richard would visit him regularly through the window of his prison cell Mandela would share his food and engage mm. in conversations with the bird treating it as a companion and a confidant during his long and difficult, difficult confinement the presence of Richard provided Mandela with a sense of connection to the outside world and a reminder of the freedom he longed for he cherished their interactions and considered Richard as a symbol of hope and resilience. Their heartwarming mm. relationship um, basically shows, it's one of those things that shows like the, you know, the profound relationship between humans and animals and just how much hope an arbitrary 
relationship can generate and how it kept him mm-hmm. going. Um, I mean, Mandela loved dogs and he had a bunch of them throughout his life. I don't think he was a cat person, but um, in his book, Long Walk to Freedom, his autobiography, he talks a lot about Richard and what their time meant, right? Um, mm. He was in Robben Island from 1964 to... 1982 and obviously it was put in really harsh conditions and he was isolated and the prison cells were small with very little sunlight and ventilation um but it was enough space for richard um for richard to get through and you know they became homies and i think there's something special about that there's definitely something special about that like i honestly feel like um as in before sounding like crazy or whatever, but when you get stripped down like that in prison, you get reconnected with like, because it's such a natural thing to be in in a prison cell, Mm -hmm. just like a concrete cell that when that little bit of nature, like a bird or life can come in, like it must give you, I don't know. I don't want to say, but it must be very profound. Yeah. Um, it must be very profound especially like because it's like an inverse of relationships where usually animals are the ones in cages and humans are the ones watching from outside it's a very um interesting like inverse but you know how like have you (laughs) have you heard of the narco pigeons nope but they sound inspirational too (laughs) (laughs) like um you know, in a, in different countries, in South America, obviously, I don't know why I say obviously, but in South America, um, they've had to shoot down like pigeons that are flying in drugs. <laughs> wow! <laughs> like people train their their pigeons, um, so that even when they go to prison, like the the pigeon would um deliver drugs to them. That's amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's yeah, there was one called Narco Paloma, <laughs> a pigeon that was busted smuggling weed and cocaine into La Reforma, a maximum security prison in Costa Rica. I've seen... Uh, and then there's another one called in Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> the, the pigeon had a tiny backpack. Oh my God. <laughs> the they gave that pigeon a backpack. <laughs> oh my God. Gosh. I've seen um, a, a little backpack. That's crazy. I've seen a turtle. If, like they basically, they strapped. They made this like in sort of net situation with drugs attached to them, and they put it on the back of a massive turtle, and it just swam across the ocean with the drugs. And I think they they put a tracker on the turtle so they could find out where, what coast they would like get to, and you know. Where they could pick up their drugs, and apparently they had been doing this for like that, months, and they got caught by the coast guard last year. But the thing about people who do drugs is that, like, a part of their brain must open because they are so creative. I mean, <laughs> like, there is nobody the, most creative in this life than people on drugs. I mean, these are people that sell drugs. I don't know if they are drug drugs. smugglers. <laughs> I mean, these are, yeah, you don't think they're yeah. doing the drugs they're smuggling? Some of them are. Sure. There's no way to tell, really. I imagine some. Some of them are. I does not, but. I mean, the drug smugglers are so creative. I remember, like, did you see the parrots that used to warn the um the guys when 
the police was coming. <laughs> no, that's funny. Wait, you haven't seen this today. Like a parrot that's like an alarm. Yeah. <laughs> like cops are here, basically. <laughs> you haven't seen this? Nah, I'll, I'll check it out. Later. Oh my gosh. Um, it's so funny because it's also in Spanish, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. So the parrot is speaking Spanish to the police. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you. Um, that's yeah. crazy, man. I mean, also the relationship between uh, Mandela and Richard was beyond the fact that it was inspirational for him. It was also really inspirational for the other inmates because they would see mm. you could like they could like see him talking to it and they could hear the sparrow from their from their own cells. So when it would leave or if it was there, they could, they could hear the conversation and they were just really, I guess it just brought a lot of hope in a place that didn't have a lot of hope. Um, in, in, in Long Walk to Freedom, Mandela described Richard as one of the countless thousands who, like me, had been robbed of their freedom but whose dreams of flights could never be imprisoned. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that is the story of Mandela and Richard the Sparrow. Um, Richard the Sparrow. I actually have read Long Walk to Freedom, not for fun. I mean, I, I had to in class. And I, I feel like that's probably why I don't remember. Isn't that crazy? Like, I feel like if I read it for fun, I'd remember this. But because I read it for school, I don't remember. What school did you read it for? That's college. But the thing is, like, I had to read so many books. Like, I was reading, like, because every different teacher will give you, like, a list of, like, 14 to 20 books or something. Yeah. And you have other classes. So you're reading, you're just reading tons mm. as a history major. You're reading tons of books yeah. and just back to back, consuming so much information at once. I'm not sure. That's not the way to go about reading normally. <laughs> But yeah, I don't remember much. I also just don't remember much from that year. Is there like a year in your life you just don't remember? Um, I don't think so. I think I'm pretty solid as far as my years are. I, maybe 2020 because it felt like four years. Mm. So I don't. But beyond. But that, like you have memories from 2020. Yeah, I have strong memories from all my years. All my years as a person. Yeah, I I cannot pull a memory out of my head from 2013. That's funny. Like, That's funny. like I can't actually pull one thing. Like, one day, one outfit, one boyfriend, nothing. I can't pull one memory from 2013, bro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> trauma. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that was so funny. You. Really <laughs> to watch the ultimatum I, I'll, I'll check you it out to... i'll check it out um all right guys um, i'll see you we'll see you on the next dirty lie episode yeah down. i think maybe i should add my trailer for my new show to the beginning of this 100 percent. 100 percent. catch you guys where i catch you if you've ever wanted to see me speak rather than just listen to me speak you can now do that on my new show, which I believe the trailer would have played at the start of this. Mm -hmm. um, have a lovely week, everyone, and catch you on the other side. Bye.